January 7, 2021. It's a lot from Pedro's show.
from Pedro's show. Happy Thursday. Started the show off with Inner Set of Metal Moves on Co-Train. And then the Live and Shave in L.A. Only commercial lighting for brackage. And, uh, yeah, Brother Matt at the Love God a couple miles south. Pleasure point. He's quitting quarantine mode. But I'm not totally man alone because of those uh, software engineers in Estonia with their Skype invention. I got Mr. Tom Smith. <laughs> Welcome aboard, Tom. Mr. Watt. And you're in Germany? You're in Hanover? I'm in Hanover. You've played here before, That's right. right. That's right. Uh, well, in the old days, when you did a Europe tour, half of it was in this place called West Germany. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Right. And so... Did you play, uh, did you play bad here with, uh, with uh, Minutemen? Was it uh, the place called Bad? Minutemen uh, was opening for Black Flag. That was the first time we went to Europe. That was that big-ass tour, like... 60 shows or something, is that right? Well, part of it was in Europe, part of it was the United States, yeah. And, uh, well, you know, they toured like that all the time. Yeah. Uh, they yeah. would do 100-gig tours, four-month four month tours. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> you know, I, uh, I saw Black Flag uh, twice, and I, I think I saw you guys with them at the 930 Club in January of 85. That was an amazing fucking So that's show. still that F Street, good. yeah. That was a great one, and... Uh, but I saw Black Flag in Adel, Georgia. That's the town that me and Don Fleming and some other people who become kind of well-known, strangely enough, because it's a village of like 4,000 people. At least it was then, you know. But they were just in the parking lot of this gas station, and I was leaving the Dairy Queen, uh, and there they were. I mean, I was, I was visiting my family, my, my parents at the time. That's why I was there, because I was living in Atlanta or Athens or Washington. I was moving all over the place with music, you know. But uh, I what? saw them in the parking lot, and they were listening to ZZ Top, and I was like, "What the fuck are you guys doing here?" They're saying we're, you know, we're between Tallahassee and Atlanta, just stopping off here in this little town. I said, "Well, I love you guys. You're amazing." And they go, "Great. Why don't you come to the show tonight in Atlanta?" And I was like, "Well, you know, I'd love to, but uh, I had other shit to do." But uh, yeah, it was probably the six eight eight six eight eight club. Yeah, the six eighty eight club. Yeah. Right, and uh, they they used to have the set list of Iggy's. Oh, I know that painted right on the bulkhead. Right, that's right. And Mike uh, Minutemen played there. Mike, uh, the singer of uh, REM, we didn't know who they were or anything, but he interviewed us before our gig there, and uh, for some fancy. Oh shit! With the singer of uh, uh, Ten Thousand Maniacs. Oh, oh my! We God. had no idea, you know. We didn't know about those bands <laughs> until well, God. It ends up being our last tour. Let's talk about Adele, though, Tom. Uh, what's your earliest musical recollection, please? Uh, well, that's well. You know, my family were um, working class. My dad liked uh, country music, you know, honky tonk, uh, and my mom liked country gospel. You know, the sort of the white version. It's like barbershop quartet harmonies, uh, but with lots of rollicking piano. Uh, groups like the Happy Goodman family, the Florida Boys, stuff like that. that that's what was in the house. But uh, I remember listening to, uh, I was in the backseat of my uncle's caddy. He was more well off because he was a veterinarian. And we were in the backseat with his wife, my aunt, uh, my auntie, and uh, my mom and dad. My sister wasn't there, but we'd come back from someplace. And, uh, you know, in the old days, you would get that radio interference, the radio station ionization that would bounce off the cloud and come down to where you were. You know, you could hear a radio station in Chicago or Philadelphia or something, you know, if you were on the East Coast. And it was a song from Muddy Waters. And I just, I was five or six, but I was like, what the fuck is that? You know? 
Because you weren't it, hearing it, that it, in the house. <laughs> I wasn't hearing that at the house at all. That's right. And it just struck me as being. Um, I didn't. I didn't have the words to to describe it at the time, of course. But I just felt something very deep when I heard it. You know. Yeah, and, and it uh, stuck with you in the a, memory. That's a very poignant yeah. early memory. You know. But now, in the pad, was there instruments, musical instruments? Yeah, there was a there was a piano. And they bought it for my sister because um, she fancied herself as a musician. She didn't really follow up, but strangely enough, my mom played some and my dad played some. So I guess they really wanted to thrust out upon her. But of course, I was the the guy who ended up being the musician. But uh, yeah, we had a piano in the house. Sure. Did you jump on that piano? Mm. Always just to smash the keys and oh, okay. fuck with. So no lessons. You don't have a story of a nightmare piano teacher. <laughs> no, no, but my sister was very frustrated by her teacher. And, um, you know, she, Pat, that's her name, Patricia, she might be able to play something, but I don't really recall her going back to it very often. And what about school? Were you in the marching band or the choir, shit like that? Uh, I was in the church choir. I was in the, the marching band up until the, uh, I guess, the 10th grade. But the, my experience in marching band led me to being in my first group when I was... 14, I guess. Um, I was the only white guy in the drum line, you know? And, yeah. uh, there was, well, there was another guy, and he was sort of a fancy, stick-up-his-ass kind of guy. I can do the <laughs> fastest parrot. I can do the fastest paradiddles, that kind of shit. You know? <laughs> uh, but I could do really good accents because already I was listening to, at that time, like, you know, what was it, 72 or something. I was already into all kinds of music, and I really liked um, Ginger Baker's accents. I liked, you know, Funkadelic already. I had all that stuff in my head. And I would just do the accents off my drums, and they liked that because I was kind of cutting against the grain of the the really insipid fucking music that we had to play in the marching band. <laughs> you know about Elvin Jones' little doc? It's like half hour long called A Different Drummer. Yeah, that's a great fucking doc. He says, he says uh, polyrhythm, poly meaning many, rhythm meaning Rhythm. <laughs> so you were part of the polyrhythm there, Tom. Those guys picked up on that. Thomas yeah. uh, and um, Marion and Marlon, those guys were great. And they, they asked me to join their band, you know. Okay, and, okay. And my, so, uh, when... my, my father was a, a product of his time and would not have been happy. Uh, so I didn't tell them. I just did it. You know, we practiced a few times. And then they I played Tim Bollies in their group. And for fuck's sake, I can't remember the name of the group, but it was uh, it was uh, sort of au courant at the time. It was a, uh, a name in Swahili, and I forget the name now. And before Marlon died, he told me, and I wrote it down in the notebook, but I don't have it with me, so I can't remember the name of the group. But uh, we did the first gig at a place called the Ebony Club in Adel. Uh, that's how the locals say it, Adel, you know. Adel. And, and um, it was a black club, you know. And sure. we played a we played a couple of songs. It was on the, uh, it was this, you know, it was post-segregation, of course, but it was still on the wrong side of the tracks in terms of, you know, the white people's attitudes. We played a couple of songs and a, and a young girl, but she seemed like 30 to me, but she was probably 16, you know. Uh, she brought a Budweiser in a can to me and kissed the lobe of my ear, and I was fucking hooked for life, you know. <laughs> you know, the stereotype and stuff, but here in Pedro... I came here when I was nine from Virginia, but there was a black club. It was called Leo's. My dream was always to one day want to go in there and just see what it was about, you know? And they mm -hmm. closed right before I became of age. 
Oh man, you know, uh, I had some, uh, I'm I'm kind of a strange cat because I have so many different influences, and a lot of it is funk and soul and uh, uh, all kinds of dance music. I don't, I, I take no shame. I love that shit when it's really good, of course. And I used to go to these black discos uh, in South Georgia, like in Pelham and you know, Cairo and all these shitty little towns, but there would always be a really cool black club, and you would know about it because of this radio station. W-J-I-Z, Jizz, right, out of Albany, which was the <laughs> best fucking radio station. And I, I used their promos in some of my, my, my old band Boat Of from the, from the early 80s, you know. Uh, and that was kind of like our uh, prelude. I would play like a advertisement for one of the DJs night at some godforsaken little disco. But I would go to those places. And, uh, and I remember so clearly, I was like 17. I was the only white person in there. I just went solo, you know, because none of my friends wanted to go. Maybe I didn't even tell my friends, you know, and Don was someplace else. And uh, maybe not that much into that kind of music. And I was dancing and nobody gave a shit. Everyone was really friendly. The bartenders were friendly. The girls said hi. You know, I wasn't like some alien, but some guy came over, an older guy, maybe 25. And he said, my man, you're doing it all wrong. You're moving around way too fucking much. You need to pour yourself in. Pull yourself in. Don't do the work. Let the ladies do the work. That's what he said. <laughs> I want to play this prod you got, uh, NH Meth. <laughs>
Metallic green grasshoppers chew true. Metallic green grasshoppers chew true.
with so much strife and peril in this world. I'd like to help make things better, but instead I
streets of America. Sixty seconds and counting. Forty seconds. Thirty seconds and counting. Twenty seconds. Fifteen. Ignition sequence start. simplified the environment, creating whole systems of life dependent on his care. Destroying whole systems of life stood in his work. His industry consumed irreplaceable fuels and produced indestructible waste. Remember all this wonderful music. His inventions He linked his furnaces and markets 
points of taking and making the paths of steel and concrete, sealing the green earth with asphalt. Where the paths met, he raised cities, and the cities ate at the disappearing land. Here he multiplied without cease, and his possessions multiplied, and he began to suffocate. He began to look for some way out of the bubble he had built around himself. Chronic, obsessive, compulsive personality. Possibly paranoid. The subject is forgotten as part of the whole. He has forgotten he shares this planet with billions of others. Remember always wonderful music. Remember always wonderful music. Remember always wonderful music. Remember always wonderful music. These great
for Pedro Show. That uh, started that chunk of music off with Rough Against the Milk Fed from NH Meth. <laughs> and uh, Agnes Steck from Austin after that. Metallic Green Grasshoppers Chew Troop. Paul Leary, he's got a new record. Uh, Butthole Surfer Guitar Man. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he's got, a, here's the single from it called Born Stupid. Uh, Transidio after that, Your Text Fragment. I Got It. Uh, working Mix from Karen Cooper Complex. Uh, Bomas Prendon with Mnemonic Device, Hands Rotten with Loopy Doo, and To Live and Shave in L.A., Longer Dissolves. You know, that movie, it starts off with a guy bungee jumping on a bridge. Well, kind of live and die, right? Oh, yeah, To Live and Die, yeah. 
a, that's Pedro. That's yeah. no, but that's well, we're part of Los Angeles, but that that bridge is uh, Vincent Thomas Bridge between San Pedro and Terminal Island. Mr. You Friedkin, know, I a, think Mr. Friedkin did that uh, movie, right? I, I really love that William Friedkin movie a lot, but yeah. but uh, I first saw the name To Live and Shave in L.A. in 1988, and it's a 1986 porno directed by Ron Jeremy, who's recently, of course, been disgraced with all yeah. these allegations of rape and stupid-ass behavior toward women. And um, uh, But I saw the box, and it was, like, so fucking stupid. It was, like, foam <laughs> and a razor, you know, and it was a parody of purportedly a parody of To Live and Die in L.A. And I just saw it, and I thought, this is the perfect name. If you like high and low, you know, this is the ideal name. So for my next project, which was two years later, when To Live and Shave in L.A. started in 1990, or at least when I started writing the demos for it, right, uh, that was the name I chose because of the stupid Jeremy uh, uh, parody. And it's a fucking disgracefully stupid movie, you know. And um, as porn, it's it's kind of horrific because it's not very sexy. But I loved the name very much. It was perfect encapsulation of what I was trying to do, you know. I wanted some kind of, I wanted a hysterical kind of sound, uh, but I also wanted it to be very literate, you know, and um, I sort of mix that high and low. I thought that would be a great name. And it's, we've been going since 1990. So, yeah, it's worked out pretty well. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to back up a little bit because you said you were playing Tim Bollies in that first band. When did you get, your, right, fir yeah. when did you get your first uh, trap set? That's a great question. I think the, my, my parents did relent and get me a trap set, but it was really kind of like a junior. It was like maybe 12 or 13. It was not very big. And I, I thought I was going to be Ginger Baker. You know, I was ridiculously stupid and I thought I could play like him. I just like the way he played him. But um, I probably was more able to play like Corky Lang than... <laughs> Corky Lang, uh, yeah. The mountain, than Ginger right? Baker. Huh? Corky was Lang four, uh, was four, from four, uh, Mountain. Yeah, he was beating the shit out of those drums, you know, yeah. I think. Another guy like the, him was the dude in uh, uh, Vanilla Fudge, right? Uh, oh, Car a bit like Carmen PC or Apple Man, did he pound yeah. hard. <laughs> Pounded really hard, you know. And in, in the days before punk and before everything changed, I mean, uh, everything was pretty, you know, there were slim pickings out there. So for for guys like me and Don, we really went toward like, you know, art rock and glam and uh, because that was the only exciting shit before everything changed, you know. Me and Dee Boone's and, first uh, gig uh, was a T-Rex. That's right. That's right. That's right. And uh, I think the drummer man, Will Legend, is the only one left. Yeah, he's the only one left. You know, I, I should back up. You asked me about the timbales and the trap set. Yeah, yeah. I got the trap set around the age of 12 or 13 or whatever it was, you know, and I outgrew it pretty quickly. But I realized that uh, I I was not uh, comfortable playing a drum kit, but I was really comfortable playing it standing up, which led me to then be more skillful with the timbales and accents and things, which led me to be drafted into this band, you know. Did you get um, into Tito Puente? Uh, you know what? I didn't know <laughs> Tito Puente at all at the okay. time. But later, of course, yeah, I've got some of those records. It's quite, quite wonderful, of course. Yeah, know? yeah, pretty. And then, uh, well, I guess in rock and roll, Carlos Santana brought that in. Yeah, you know, I mean, I like Santana's early stuff. Michael Shreve was great. Uh, I didn't like his uh, Automatic Man group so much, uh, not to be, uh, you know, not to diminish him, because I think he was a really tremendously good drummer. But 
I was so focused on percussion, you know, and um, I mean, uh, you tell me what you want to know, man. I'll tell you anything you need to know. I mean, we can take the timeline. We can talk about it, We can bounce around. Whatever you want to do, Mike, it's okay. I'm just pleased as hell to talk to you. Well, that's a lot for Pedro show. There's no hard questions and no wrong answers. That's right. Okay. There was a guy in Rare Earth that only played cowbell. Can you imagine beating on that motherfucker for a couple hours? <laughs> Oh, man, his hands must have been like mittens. I would fucking kill myself, man. Okay, tell me about your first gig. Yeah, I really don't remember much of it. I just remember being there with the guys, and they were looking at me like, is this white motherfucker going to be able to pull this shit off? And the audience was screaming after a couple of songs, and then the young girl came up and kissed my ear and gave me a beer, and I had never even had a beer before in my life, you know. And um, that was very exciting. And uh, we did another show, I think, and that was then my parents got wind of it, and they were like, you, and that was the end of it, you know. Scissors, yeah. But But so it was a success. Now, were you scared? I had no... I had no idea to be scared. I was just so excited. I was okay. so happy to be doing it. Because I, I still get scared at gigs. <laughs> oh, dude, I, I get very nervous before shows. I still do, you know. And I, I, I think you've done far more than I have, even though we've been around for about the same amount of time. You're born in 57, right? That's like right. I'm right at April the end. 50, I'm April 56, so I'm a little bit older. But I think you've yeah. toured a lot You're more ahead. than I have, even though I've toured around the world like you have. But I think you've really... Eclipsed me many times. Not if, that it's a contest. Call, but if you I, call a tour I still more, get fucking nervous. You know, I still get nervous. If you call a, if you call a tour more than a month, I've done sixty-seven of them. That's insane. So only sixty-seven really... more. <laughs> but yeah, I still get scared <laughs> before. Because man, you don't want to blow clams. You know, people work all week to come see you play, and then you got to choke and shit. And... No, no, you can't do that. But I know, but I look, it's always that I fear, uh, scaredness. Right. You know, that's right. It's important to remember what it's like and. One of the things that I've always tried to do with my stuff, and I guess you have too, you know, from this is what I sense about you, is that it's important to put yourself in the mind of that person that you were, that, that you were when you were just starting out, you know? Oh, yeah. And, well, for me, it's D. Boone, you know? That's why I got into oh, music. What was the first Live and Shaven uh, L.A. gig like? Oh, that's okay. So the first to Live and Shaven L.A. gig, uh, well, it's a long fucking story, but... Um, in the 80s, I was in two bands. I was in uh, this band with John Spencer and Julie Kayfords and John Hamill called Pussy Galore. Yep. And I played the metal percussion for like the first six or seven months of the band's existence. And then uh, I left and were kicked out or whatever. We had this tour of America. It was not financially successful. And then I think they wanted me to do more like, I don't know what happened, but I loved that band. We were we were really out there alone on a limb, but the... Uh, we were touring with my other band, Peach of Immortality, which was like live tape manipulation and tabletop guitar, which wasn't really a thing back then, and nothing else, just the two of us improvising and then Pussy Galore opening the show, right? That guy, a, uh, what was we, it called, yeah, AAM in London? again? The guy in London, AAM, he played his guitar on a tabletop, an That's experimental right. group, right? Almost, I don't know those guys like I should. You know, I, I, I'm not uh, the perfect noise kind of historian or anything. But well, I read about it in a Rob Chapman book on Sid Barrett. I guess Sid Barrett was influenced by this band. You know, we're at the but, end of the yeah. first hour, Tom. Uh, January 7, 2021, Adishawat Pedro Show special guest, Tom Smith. Hold tight for hour two. January 7, 2021, it's the second hour of the Watt for Pedro Show. Uh, uh, uh. 
my eyes The light's too bright coming out from inside Brilliant light try any and everything. I'm that type of person. I like challenges. And believe it or not, just this year I graduated from the computer class they have here. I'm getting better. I'm getting there. I'm claiming everything as a yes.
Lot for Pedro's show. We start off the second hour with Tom Smith doing Brutal Sense logo. <laughs> like, you just took some words. <laughs> uh, Sam Bennett, after that, the House of the Rising Sun, his take. Have you ever heard, heard the Lead, Lead Belly version? It's nothing I'll like uh, the animals all sad and drawn out. It's kind of happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, uh, Lead Belly something I got into uh at the university radio station where I cut some of that stuff that I sent you as well, years and years and years ago. Oh. They had a really a good double album compilation. I forget the label right now, but, uh, yeah. Well, well was, uh, Don Fleming really got into that, uh, Lomax, uh, oh, man. right. Archiving he, stuff. And I think, uh, Lead Belly was part of that. Alan Lomax. Yeah, you know, Don has introduced me. I mean, Don, uh, I would go visit him at the archive, you know, and whenever we, for, for years when I would visit New York, you know, I would, hang out with he and Margaret, you know, his wife, who's a really good friend also. And uh, he would take me, uh, I saw the uh, original wire recorders. We saw his original, you know, he sh He just toured me around the place. I met Mr. Lomax's daughter, Anna, and um, the crew there. They're such great people. They are doing the work of the Lord there, man. I'm well, telling you. Yeah, absolutely. I got to tell the people. They also heard Yonder from Tim Holehouse. He was on the show yesterday. Mary St. Mary with Oblivion. Uh, Mika Levi with Rough Dog. Everything as a Yes from David Greenberger and Prime Lands. And finally, Luckily Incurable by Rope Cosmetology. <laughs> yeah. Project of yours. <laughs> so tell me about this first gig uh, for Living Shave LA. Well, I was I was going to say, you know, I was doing a band called Peach of Immortality in the 80s with, at the same time, doing also Pussy Galore. But I left Pussy Galore like in like February of 86 or something. And I, you know, Peach started in 84, went to about 91. Um, and then Don uh, helped me get a deal with a label. Uh, Don Fleming helped me get a deal with a label called Noiseville. Not that it had anything to do with noise. It was more like sludgy rock music, but they picked us, you know, and they wanted an EP from us, even though we'd been working on this album. And then the EP um, started and the label said, uh, well, what's the name of the Peach of Immortality? And I said, no, the name is now To Live and Shave in L.A. They're like, no, we're not going to do this unless you use the name Peach of Immortality. So we ended up. <laughs> being peach again for like another two years, but not, not doing any gigs. But the music we were doing was like to live and shave in LA, okay. which would eventually become. Sure. And Rat Bastard uh, was not the first engineer, but I was recording at Rat Bastard studio in Miami beach. He was on the show and, a couple of weeks ago. That's right. Yeah. Rat's uh, a fucking insane. Yeah. Great. great guy. Uh, I, I really first cool learned guy. about him through brother, Steve McKay, the Stooges sax man. Yeah, yeah, and I know that he uh, did a lot of work in the in his own studio. I mean, you should go to Rat's house in Miami Beach. He has a recording studio in his living room. It's insane. <laughs> Literally a recording studio, you know, and it's well documented. And, so uh, this, you, are you saying your first live and shave in L.A. Was gig was actually Peach, Peach of, of Immortality? Immortality? Yeah, because they wouldn't let us change the right. name. But, and so we, we finished the EP... And the first song on the EP is one of those things I sent you, like, for you to listen to on the side, not for the show, right? Um, and strangely enough, that was based on a loop or, like, a tape manipulation loop of a John Spencer Blues Explosion song from his first album back in 91 or something. So to bring it back to Pussy Galore for a second. But um, 
I did. Uh, I, I really didn't want to call the new music peach of immortality, but the label insisted. But then the label went bankrupt and never wanted to. So the label died around <laughs> August or September of 93. So the first show we did was October 93, right? And Rat wasn't even the, in, in the band, but Rat was the engineer and producer of the EP that finally... 2019 never released it oh, wow. uh, and, uh, it was Rat did such an amazing job the first in he told me he would uh, work bass for you I, I want to play a uh, Black Mountain Grown <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
Break open hearts 
Not you rock the boat, or when the boat needs rocking on, it won't float. Plane needs hollering on, it won't fly. When the eagle's wings are broken and it falls from the sky, don't tell me not to criticize, or don't tell me that my lips are loose. Don't tell me I don't love this place, this place that gave me Lenny Bruce. When you're walking down the street like Malcolm X, or when you eat a nigga, don't you say what comes next? A sweet black angel saying something ain't right. I can walk these streets into the night. I can walk these streets named for Joe or Ramon. I can think back on that gabba gabba. Hey, don't tell my brother what I love. Like Buddy Haller said, baby, that'll be the day. I wanna know his freedom fly head as it pass through you and me. Climbing to the flame. On the sea. Love America, does it love me? Does it love its people? Out on the street, losing their homes desperately, working to make ends meet. And the rich get richer, and the poor so poor, and you can't get sick because you can't afford no health care on these mighty shores. Look at the old, what's in store? No money. No education, have a mill degree in a first class nation. Those that need the knowledge is a situation, another cycle, another generation. On the TV, we're screaming at each other like kids in a schoolyard. It's embarrassing, brother. I'm naive to say we gotta work together like a wave of a flag. It's gone forever. I wanna know is freedom fly ahead as it passed through you and me. Firing to the flame beyond the sea. was supposed to be funny. Was it funny? Was it right on the money? Levity helps me through the pain, but it's a bulging at the seams and it's starting to strain. And I pledge allegiance to those that tried to find the truth when the country lied. Create beauty, leave hell behind. I guess Charles Mingus comes to mind. And don't wave that flag in my face when you're making this place a disgrace. Your global view needs rearranging because at times, my friends, they are a-changing. I want to know this. Freedom fly ahead as it pass through you, you and me. Falling to the flame beyond the sea. I wanna know this freedom fly 
has a past to you and me. Climbing through the flame beyond the sea.
the flesh expose themselves from Pedro Show. Uh, start off that chunk of music to live and shave in L.A. Black Mountain Grown for our child. And that's live. Pineapple Empress after that, Queen of the Angels. Snow from Troopa Troopa out of Gdansk. Morty with the Western Motel intro. Hamelon Trial, Global Tattoo. The new Harnessians. I guess they wear harnesses. <laughs> Excuse me. Scars into stars. Plus dog plus with ship of dreams one. And finally, Coyote by Ona, which is another project of yours. Coyote, uh, uh, yeah. Um, where do you want to start, Mike? Well, you said you <laughs> said that this song here, Black Mountain Grown, has a story behind it. Oh yeah. So uh, you know. I, I know that Rat played you this song from an album we did at Sonic Youth Studio in uh, 2004, but it came out in 2006. This song called Mothers Over Silver Point. And uh, Rat was, you know, his usual bullshit, like, I, didn't, I have no control over the lyrics. I don't authorize it, you know, whatever. But uh, you and me are like the literate type. You like James Joyce too, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. The, most of the songs I wrote on Double Nickels, I wrote right after finishing uh, Ulysses. I was uh, yeah, 25 years old and just totally into that book. Oh, man, that's, yeah. You know, uh, my first job after high school was at a bookstore, and, and the older guy was like, you know, took me under his wing. I recognized that I was a freak. You know, he steered me in all the right directions, you know, from Henry Miller to uh, Joyce to Jean Genet, because I was just a hick, you know, but I, I was literary, as a hick, but I was still, you know, not so experienced. And he led me to all the right places, including Joyce and uh, Ulysses. The first time was quite difficult, you know, um, and F Finnegan's wake was almost impenetrable. But when I read the uh, Anthony Burgess book, Joyce Prick, maybe you know it, right? Uh, where he talks about the, the intense musicality of Joyce, that really opened my mind to all of it, you know. Um, but anyway, the, the, the uh, this song that you played by Tilivinchev in L.A., a Black Mountain Groan, uh, not like coffee, but like groaning about because you're tired or sick or happy or something. But um, that's actually that song, Mothers Over Silver Point. We did it at this festival that, that Thurston, uh, Mr. Moore, and uh, Mr. Greer, Chris Greer, or 
organized in 2005 to, as a protest against the second inauguration of, of, of Bush, you know, Mr. W. Um, and that was Mothers Over Silverpoint. That was an 18-minute song. But after the fact, I re-edited it to a three-minute piece, the one you heard just now. Yeah. The piece sounds pretentious, I know, but like a three-minute song. Because I could not remember one second of that fucking gig. And I'm, I, I wanted to ask you, as a performer who's done 67 month-long tours, um, are there times when you can't remember anything that you've done over that period of time when you Fuck get back yeah. home? <laughs> yeah. Shit. Yeah. I, I forget so much shit. It's so embarrassing. It's so embarrassing. This, this Praj, Ona, this is German word without, right? Yeah, without, genau, that's right. I, I said, genau, sorry, that means absolutely correct. Yeah, uh, so uh, there's this guy uh, who does like sort of neo-actionistic uh, performance art named Dave Phillips. Uh, we met in 1996 when To Live in Chevenet uh, in L.A. was playing in Paris. And his group, uh, Schlumfluk uh, Group, or Gruppe, whatever they're called, I think it's Schlimfeld Group. Anyway, he and Rob Rudolf Eber, who's also part of that group, who's quite famous in those neo-actionistic circles, were doing their thing, and we just loved each other, became friends right away. You know? And so Dave and I had always wanted to do something together, and Ona was the first thing we did together as a collaboration. And then two other guys, Daniel Luvenbrucke, Lionbridge, right? Luvenbrucke right. and uh, Reto Mada, also from Switzerland, uh, Daniel's from Berlin, uh, Dave is from Zurich, and I was a hillbilly from South Georgia. You know, we, we became the group, and we rehearsed in a suburb of uh, Zurich for about a month and a half, two months, and then went on a, I don't know, 24-country tour of East and Central Europe, you know. And uh, I sent you, uh, as one of those extra tracks, I sent you a live recording from a show we did in Kaunas and in, in, uh, in Latvia, and then we also play uh, Lith Lithuania, sorry, wherever the fuck it is. That's Baltics. And, uh, it's near Estonia yeah. where Skype comes from. Yeah, I, I love uh, that, <laughs> that, that, that. That was a great tour. That was one of the best tours of my life with, with Ona, the first tour. Oh, and uh, we did an album for this uh, label called Mego, which was kind of sort of a hoity-toity electronic avant-garde label based out of uh, Austria. And that piece... Um, that short piece was one of the tracks on our first album called Ona Eins or, or Ona One, you know. Yeah, very interesting. Look, we're at the end of the second hour. January 7, 2021. Tisha Peter Show special guest, Tom Smith. Hold tight for hour three. January 7, 2021. It's the third hour of the Watt for Pedro Show. <laughs> Father's time, 
は秒針
road just paying my dues Wearing holes in an old man's shoes Well, my knees are weak, there just ain't much left to lose I'm so tired of being a stranger I wanna put the brakes on this old train I wanna lay me down and cry through all these blues It's like a blind leading the blind I'm so lost within Where of all the reasons to keep on moving gone again I made a deal with the devil's dog, baby She showed me how to walk along and maybe Showed her how to be my dog Oh, now here we go again I gotta drive all night just to find my way back home Last night I called my mom on an old pay phone Well, the law's been looking for me Don't they know they better let me be Don't I know I got a list of sins I'm nearly five miles long Well, I can't stay long You know the road won't let me be, but I can't stay gone, no. Through love's just waiting for me, and I can't stop pining about the way that she made me see how the road's so long, but I can't stay gone too long. I've been drunk in a motel room down on the floor just crying the blues. I'm so tired of being a stranger. I want to put the brakes on this old train. I want to leave me down and cry through all these blues. It's like a blind leading the blind. I'm so lost in sin. Where of all the reasons to keep on moving gone again. I made a deal with the devil's dog, baby. She showed me how to walk the log and leave it. Showed her how to be my dog. Oh, now here we go again. Gotta drive all night just to find my way back home Last night I called my mama on an old pay phone Well, the law's been looking for me Don't they know they better let me be Don't I know I got a list of sins I'm nearly five miles long Well, I can't stay long You know the road won't let me be But I can't stay gone, no Got true love just to wait for me I can't stop pining About the way that she made me see How the road's so long, but I can't stay gone too long How the road's so long, but I can't stay gone too long How the road's so long, but I can't stay gone too long
for Pedro Show. Start off the third hour with Faultless High. <laughs> to live and shave in L.A. Uh, Crane oh, with uh, Lounge Around. I'm, I am second hand of a clock from Foodie out of Osaka. Grand Champion. Can I see you again? Double Beans. See you in Tijuana. Can't Stay Long from Scott H. Birum. And finally, Untitled 4, Peach of Immortality. Oh, yeah. People, this is the first incarnation of the living shave in L.A. Uh, That's right. Really early days, you know. Now, now how, of... you're talking to me from Germany. So how did you get to Germany? Well, I was on this tour uh, with To Live and Shave in L.A. in 2008. And uh, remember MySpace before Facebook blew up and all that stuff? You know, We the, called it My Waste of Space Place. Yeah, my, my, it was pretty... Pretty much a waste of space, but you know, it was a social media platform back in 2005, six, seven, eight. You know, and so I was communicating with the co-promoter of the gig via MySpace. Her name was Claudia, and she came to the show in Hanover. You know, and that was it, man. I mean, Cupid had a very sharp arrow, and he drove it right through my fucking guts. And I'm still with her today. You know, after the tour, I left America and came over here. You know. That's what happened with Sam Bennett in Tokyo. He's been there 25 years. I mean, it's it's hardcore, you know. And he was from Birmingham, uh, Alabama, yeah. Sun Ra Town. Yeah. And, he, and he went and did a Lower East Side thing in Manhattan, Mr. Zorn's neighborhood. And then on yeah. tour, he met some. Yeah, okay, so that's what happened. And uh, do you have, where you live, you're able to do music, right? You got, like, recording stuff? Oh, man. I mean, uh, a lot of the stuff you're playing, of course, when I was younger, that's just... Yeah, you know, of course. You're, like, commandeering radio station production studios to make the music and stuff like that, you know, just sort of cheating or using other people's equipment. But when you get older and you finally have a little bit of money, you know, you always find a studio. And I worked in a studio in Atlanta for quite a while, but uh, but I only recording shit that they hated, you know, because it wasn't uh, their idea of what would be commercial. But... <laughs> when I came to Hanover, I found this guy through friends named Vili Damaya, and he's got a great studio called The Institute. Dude, if you ever come over here, after this COVID shit ever ends, we should jam at the fucking Institute. We should make a record together. That would be awesome. At The Institute? Well, yeah. Well, it's, it's at a college? No, it's just a studio. Oh, it's that's just the name of it. Studio. Okay, okay. But uh, anyway, um, I searched I out the Kling Klang one in Dusseldorf. You know, it's yeah, real Klang incognito. Is, pretty I did, classic. I didn't go inside, but I, but I saw I was at the building. I've been recording at the Institute now since about 2011, I guess. 10 or 11, yeah. Um, and that's a it's a great studio. So it's what I love very much. And, I and love what, to go there. And, and what's your most uh, current? What's your most current? Proj, like, uh, what are you uh, spending your time making music as? Okay, so there's there's about there's about two, just two at the moment. There's to live and shave in L.A. and there's NHMF. Uh, not about New Hampshire methamphetamine. It's it's short for New Hope Methodist. Oh, uh, this uh, church, this church in Missouri that put out all these children's Christian albums, but it turned out the minister of music was a pedophile or something, you know. Oh, I thought you were referring to the little town of Methlehem. <laughs> you there, Tom? Ah, oh, shit. Mm. So, um, three, two, one. So, I've got two projects now. Uh, Tillip is still going. 
it's me and Rat, uh, and the addition of Gretchen Ori. We call her Lurch X, and uh, she's uh, from Leeds in England, and she's in this really great band called Gutter Snipe. And I met her two years ago in Cologne, Cologne, uh, doing a show with a different band that I was working with at the time, and we became best friends like immediately. You know, it was great. She's fucking phenomenal, and she's the third member of the band now. And uh, I also have NH Meth, uh, which does not stand for New Hampshire Methamphetamine, but yeah. refers to uh, New Hope Methodist, this uh, church in Missouri that uh, made a lot of records in the 70s, uh, you know, with like, ch like a children's ministry, but it turned out the minister of music was a pedophile. Yeah, of course. That's and, Byron Coley is an expert in those kind of uh, religious records and stuff. I'm sure that Byron is uh, quite specialized in this regard. H huge. Uh, I want to play uh, Pussy Galore here.
Hi, it's me, Sherm. Hi, Nathan Spence. It's Billy Curry, Chris Krause, and I forget the other folks. This is our next thing on Christmas and Thin Wild. What for Pedro show? You know, it's uh, final music for this edition, people. Yeah. Uh, Pussy Galore live cut tease. Mike Cooper with Miniature Nine, untitled from Tom Smith and Don Fleming. Fleming, sorry. How I swam across the pond. University Challenge, my buddy AJ in Holland there. Um, All right. And then Worthy of the Lamb, something live. This project is called Boat Of? Yeah, Boat Of, yeah. Um, <laughs> what, what, of. what a name is Boat Of? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it's sort of, it's a little Dada-esque, I guess, if you don't mind me saying that, those words, you know. Um, it was, I was writing a song back in like 1979 called Boat Of three but then i thought okay this band needs to be called boat of i just cut off the three and uh we were doing very fucking different music we were in athens georgia you know where b-52s were at the time this is even before pylon I guess. yeah i think they're called bulldogs right it's a, a frat yeah. town uh, a, you know what you know what i realized that i went backwards i played your oldest stuff Last, no, you're, yeah, last, and your most recent stuff first. <laughs> hey, man, it's okay. You know? Okay, so Bodov was a, a Athens, Georgia band. Okay. Yeah, I mean, what we were doing was a way fucking different, you know, and uh, and at the time we got some really insane responses. Again, not hyperbole, just people were losing their shit, as you can hear from that recording. Uh, because... Hip hop was new on record, right? I mean, sure. I know it had been going on with Cool Herc and you know Grandmaster Flash since the mid '70s, but nobody heard it until Rappers Delight or maybe Kim, uh, King Tim by the Fatback Band or something. Nobody had heard that shit yet, even though some records did come out besides Rappers. Yeah, the Delight. Sugar Hill Gang stuff with Doug Wynn. Yeah, Sugar Hill Banks. Gang was yeah. big, right? But I was what I loved about uh, hip hop then was because. Most of it was coming out of studios uh, with bands. So, like, the Sugar Hill Gang had the band that later became Mark Stewart's backing band. That's right, you know? Mafia. Uh, Mafia, Skip, yeah. Skip and, LeBlanc uh, and... Uh, Keith LeBlanc. Keith and, LeBlanc and, uh, and Skip McDonald or something. Skip McDonald, yeah. And, and Doug, Doug Wimbish. And then Doug I think Wimbish. the mixer man was uh, Adrian Sherwood. And this guy... Have you ever seen him mix? It's like he's playing an instrument at the gig. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, one of the, I mean, I'm not so influenced by Adrian, but what I did, what I do love about that, I mean, when when you listen to the NH Meth stuff or the new To Live and Shave thing, you know, the uh, the uh, uh, only commercial lighting for Brackage album, which is about to come out. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm doing all the mixing on DJ equipment. I mix those shit that shit live. Ah, bitchin. Uh, and do it all in one take if I can, you know. And, um, I, I love it, it. I love it, man. Look it it people... gives it a really dirty sound, you know, and, and uh, it retains that spirit of when you were 15, uh, but you have a lot of flexibility at the same time. And I, I really like that sound a lot. You know? Yeah, it's, it's happening. Where can people find you on the uh, Internet, Tom? Dude, uh, there's so many sites. It's kind of counterintuitive, I guess, that they all sort of collide with each other. But if you go to if you just type in KSV 
SoundCloud, I'm sorry, KSV Bandcamp, there's like 500 fucking albums there. You know? Okay, but there's no Tom Smith uh, website? Why? You know, there's a billion Tom Smiths. Who the fuck cares about Tom Smith? Because but having he, your own website is like having your own fanzine. There's no buddy in between you and uh, getting your stuff out. No, no, I, I know what you mean. Let me give you the exact URL. Okay, one second. KSB. I don't even remember what it is. I've got so many of these goddamn things. Uh, yeah, it's uh, if you type in KSV Bandcamp, that'll take you to something called. One second. I don't, it's yeah, Tom Smith KSV dot Bandcamp dot com. Okay, Bandcamp. That's got your music and stuff like. Yeah, okay. it's got a shitload. Of, and this record, uh, only commercial lighting for brackage. It's it's out right now, or is it just going to come no, out? No, it's coming out in another week or so. Yeah. Uh, and then probably you're going to follow that up with some. Uh, NH Meth. <laughs> There's a label in New Zealand that's doing most of my releases these days. They're called Independent Woman Records. They're available. Just type in Independent Woman Records, New Zealand. They're doing the NH Meth cassette. They're doing uh, a, a cassette that I recorded with the film director, Doris Wishman. She was my friend, and we did a lot of recordings together, talking about her music, and that's coming out as a cassette they're doing a triple cd of to live in shape oh man that's book, great well but you know when when the uh, nh uh meth comes out will you come back on the show and we could talk about it because we ran out of fucking time this right now i'm sorry Mike, i would love to because uh we're really psyched about that shit and okay. uh dude what a pleasure it is to talk to you i'm a little stage <laughs> i got a little stage uh stage truck here no oh, no it's okay man i think what I, you're I doing is beautiful i want you know. to keep on keeping up I told Evan to let you know that I listened to to Dos about six thousand times when it first came <laughs> I out. I talked to Kay yesterday. I was upset yesterday. It was a fucked up day here in this uh, country. Oh man, yeah, I know it, it was. But uh, you know, I'm I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. But, but you come back on when you when you this NH meth hits. Okay, real I, honor I'm to have you on, Mike. Tom. Truly, I would love to. It's okay. such a pleasure to meet you. Uh, not in the flesh yet. We will. I'll get to Hanover. People, it's been January 7th, 2021 edition of Wapito Show. Keep your powder dry.